beautiful people. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Bobby the Awesome here. The topic of today's show is celebrating my five years of bet free time and the the list, and it's a list, so if you see me looking over there, it's because there's been many, many things that I've learned in the five years that I haven't placed a bet, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. So one of those things is that I'm capable of doing things that make me very uncomfortable, like recording myself and talking to a green light on my computer screen. If you're new to the show, uh, I am like I said, five years without a bet. I am also a little over two years sober now from alcohol. And I'm about 17 days away from a cigarette. That's been done before. We'll see if, uh, if we can stick it out this time. I'm, I'm really trying and it hasn't been as difficult as the last couple times. And quitting drinking was pretty easy for me. So I'm hoping that quitting smoking does that too, but I still got a patch on my ass if I'm being honest. So that is what's going on with that. So I wanted to share today and I don't know what will show up because that's just kind of how I roll. So I'll share with you the list that I've already started and kind of take a walk down memory lane. As far as my recovery journey, I started in treatment. Well, at least for this five-year stint, I did have two and a quarter years, two and a half years prior using GA. And I'll be honest, upon reflection, which is one of the things I've learned is that as long as I'm reflecting, paying attention to my actions in the past and my behaviors in the past is helping me pay attention better to my behaviors in the future. And it's also helping me try to be no, I, I, so I got rid of the word hate. I need to get rid of the word try as well. So it's making me become a better person and a more present person and a more mindful person. So it's one of the things I'm working on. I didn't necessarily have that the first time I quit. So this last time that I gave up gambling was March 21st of 2017 was the day I placed my last bet. And, you know, pretty passionate about the three, two, one. In case you don't know, it's the name of my company, part of my dream, which, you know what, I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about my dream. Might as well do it right now, right? One of the biggest things that's changed from the time I went into treatment until now is having this dream and having this vision of what 321 looks like. So I'm going to make a note. So I remember to write that down for you. So I remember to talk about it. Because it's a pretty big vision and it's a pretty big deal. And it feels really, really good to talk about it. And talking about it helps keep me centered for it. So I went to rehab and and I went in Minnesota and it was a place called Vanguard, which it's my understanding that in the States, we only have six places that are formal treatment for gambling addiction, specifically. And in ours... Vanguard had, well, Van, sorry, Project Turnabout is the name of the facility. And Vanguard was the wing for gamblers because they also helped with substance abuse at that facility as well. And I was in there for 28 days. And I was living in Kansas at the time. And then when I got out, I moved back to the East Coast to New York. At any rate, learned a lot of different things when I was in treatment. 
I learned that I do not like being out of control. And that's what I was, right? I wasn't in control of my own life when I was in treatment. I was in control in the sense that I had put myself into treatment. Nobody else had done that for me. But once I was in there, I didn't get to decide when I ate, when I slept, what TV shows I watched, uh, who my friends were. I didn't get to decide any of that. And I often describe treatment as a cross between jail and summer camp. Because that's, that's really what it felt like. But I learned some recovery strategies in there. We would have we would have groups. We would have 12-step. We would have individual with our counselor. We had the step work and we had homework assignments. And then there was meditation time. There were speakers. There was a time where we can go to the gym and uh, stretch. And we also, I think, had physical time too. I learned different triggers about gambling, like inside we weren't allowed to watch sports or shows like um, pickers or hoarders or, you know, where, where people go out looking for treasure and then go sell it. I don't mean like treasure in the sea, but tag side, tag sales. Do you know what tag sales are? Maybe not if you're not from here, but flea markets, um, garage sales. That's what they would be called for most people. I don't know why we call them tag sales here in the Northeast, but we do. Maybe because you put tags on the products. At any rate, a lot of different aspects of things that I learned. And when I got out, one of the conditions was that I had aftercare. And because I was moving to New York, I had the opportunity to go to the Center for Problem Gambling, which if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that that's a huge part of where I got my foundation. And I've learned tons of stuff from there. What was beautiful about the Center for Problem Gambling was, number one, the community. And that would be one of the lessons that I learned as well. Bill. And since going to the center, Bill was the director and Oscar and Sherry were recovery coaches. And unfortunately, uh, we lost both Oscar and Bill in the last couple of years. And uh, that freaking sucks, by the way. But I learned a lot from both of them. And I'm grateful to have had the experience to know both of them. And, and they're both in my heart. And I hear both their voices in my head. And I'm just very fortunate to know both of them. But Bill really taught us about community. That was one of the biggest takeaways from our environment. And again, upon reflection, right? Like we knew community was important and we talk about it. But it was even more evident once we went into covid and we could see how the family was really dismantled. And very early in, in COVID is when we lost Oscar due to COVID. And it was a struggle processing that on Zoom and as, you know, as a group. But what made us special was this community. And there were people that were I kind of make it like generational in my head you know, like the first generation, which were the ones who had about a year clean time when I entered the program. And then I consider myself second generation. And then there were some folks that were, you know, came after. So like a third generation. And 
the first generation had created a WhatsApp group. And back then it was a very robust process. People would post daily. They would post recovery topics, struggles. It was a resource for people to reach out to each other. It was a community. Eventually, and now I'm going to bounce all over, so bear with me. It's been a while since I've done a, you know, a solo show, really. I've been really working on collaboration and getting back into podcasting regularly. I still haven't caught my regular flow, and, and I apologize for not showing up on a regular basis like I used to. This was part of what I've learned as well. If I can't show up for you with a smile on my face and with a positive attitude at the very least, which I kind of lost a little bit last fall, I shouldn't be showing up at all. I couldn't, even when I showed up in grief and pain and crying, I still usually could see the good and share that with you, but I wasn't capable. I didn't have that mindset in my act together for a bit. So I'm still getting to, you know, in the ropes. So anyway, we had this community online. We talked often and the different generations would uh, challenge each other. It was, it was quite beautiful. And the way the center worked, you had, I had uh, a therapist or counselor, counselor, I guess is the right terminology. So I would meet with her once a week and I would go to group. You're supposed to go. I was suggested that I went three times a week and I think I was going twice pretty, pretty faithfully. And I won't take you through every stage of it, but prior to COVID where we landed was they had enhanced the program and I was going to Monday night group, which was, was kind of dedicated to the, you know, the first and second generation if we're just using that for simple language. So it was people who had a little bit more recovery time and the theme of the group was called coping skills. And we got to work a little bit on our self-esteem and just how to deal with life now that we had gotten some clean time. So kind of like maintenance. And one of the things that we talked about was like living your life and living your life on life's turn and not living in your story. These were some of the themes of that meeting. And then the Saturday meeting was freaking amazing I think at the time COVID struck, there probably was 20, 30 of us regularly on a Saturday morning. And, you know, we'd, we'd get there early and, uh, well, I would always get there early. I go everywhere early, but there'd be like donuts or if I had treats from work, I would bring them in and we would socialize a little or we would have, we always had group and group was pretty it was usually led by Bill and Oscar was almost always present and Bill would have us role play. He would, he was kind of funny. It was like, I I don't want to say planting people in the, in the audience, but it kind of felt like that sometimes. So if we had a new member say that was, was struggling, like maybe they weren't telling their wife about some found money. Like they got paid under the table or, a bonus or something. And maybe they weren't telling their significant other about it. Instead of Bill saying, you should tell your significant other that you have money because the chances of you going back out because you have access to money. That wasn't a very good Bill voice. Anyway, um, instead of doing that, he'd be like, he would call on someone to maybe be that person's spouse, pretend, and they would do the role play of telling each other and going through the motions of what it looks like. And 
and then call on maybe generation one or two and be like, so, so what are some of the consequences? Did this ever happen to you? You know, things to make it resonate more with the new members. And with the generation thing, it was also very similar to 12 step with the giving service back and, and being a, res- a resource. Uh, we didn't have necessarily like sponsor sponsee relationships, but whatever it was, it was working because we could help each other and support each other. And that's really what it came down to. And in the beginning, when I first came back to New York, I was also still going to 12 step more actively with GA and that was another community. And that's a piece of my recovery. It's a very important piece from both the first time. And then even the second time getting to know the people in New York and GA, seeing how they did things a little different. And that was developmental in my recovery as well, because I had to learn that just because we did it in Kansas one way, didn't mean that it was better or worse or less than or more than the way we did it in New York. In Kansas City, it was a little bit more co-ed the groups. We would have meetings where we mixed GA with Gaminon. So that had its value. So we could see and learn more about the family's perspective. We had, you know, practices and structures that were in place. And then here in New York, it was a little different. It was most, it was very dominant to the men. And it also had a big community of the fancy term here would be co-occurring disorders, but basically there was a lot of gamblers that were also alcoholics or drug addicts in recovery. So that was another interesting perspective. And also the means of gambling. In Kansas City, there was a lot more slot machines. And in New York, it was uh, horse betting and instant scratch-offs were two of the more active things. And I'm sure if I went to more Connecticut meetings, you know, with the two casinos there, it, the picture might look a little different. So what I learned and again, that's kind of what the theme I want to stick to is, is that it's okay to have multiple kinds of recovery and that I valued the center's strategy and, and 12 step both. I valued them both very much. There was some overlap in the communities, which was great to form relationships and stuff. And I liked having the multiple resources. And as time went on and I started living my life, I didn't, I wasn't quite as active in either, either place. Um, maybe it was one meeting, one week and two the next, whatever. But as I, as I started, and it's not about time. So let me be clear about that. Or at least it wasn't time for me. It wasn't like, oh, I have a year away. I can go to less group because all the way up, seriously, to the five years, pretty much, I had a counselor all along and the center was ran by the state of New York. So there was criteria and all that good stuff. And technically you could graduate after a year. And I'm very grateful they didn't throw me out and graduate me after a year because so much has happened the last five years. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would have made it through without a bet, you know, without the resource of a counselor. Again, upon reflection, right? It was another person to be accountable to. So that was another lesson. And in the background to the center and GI, I was also, I was, you know, reading, I was learning a little bit more and I was listening to podcasts. I started listening to recovery elevator 
you probably know the story. If, if you've been here a while, when I was driving to those Monday night groups, I would listen to Paul Churchill's recovery elevator. And he, he has an alcohol free community and he does recovery a little different. I love how he brings in different facets and, and doesn't make it just all one size fits all either. And I've learned so much from him. I've learned, and this will just be top level highlights. I learned how to travel sober. I learned how to make connection that way. I learned that sound can be a therapy. We did sound baths. I've learned that breathing, uh, breath work, they call it, is another avenue of, of recovery. And I guess an overarching theme and I can't break down the whole five years for you guys because I would be talking forever, which we all know I'm capable of. I kind of want to give you some of the high levels from different impactful pieces. 